1: I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live
2: weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, Sarah. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Dominic Chu, in for Scott Wapner today, front and center at this hour. A double test for the market as we await the first trades on that big Instacart IPO, and countdown to another critical Fed rate decision. Our investment committee is standing by to help navigate you through all of it. Joining us for the hour are Josh Brown, Gary Firestone, Jim Labenthal, and Sarat Seti. So here's where we stand at noon Eastern time right now. We are just about near session lows, of the Dow down about 250 some points, the S&P off by about 29 points, and the NASDAQ composite down by three quarters of 1%, 104 points to the downside there. By the way, the 10-year Treasury note yield keeps ticking higher, currently standing at 4.34%. We will have much more on the markets coming up, but first we do have a trade alert to bring you. Josh is making a move in technology. I guess technically it's consumer discretionary, but you'll get the point. Josh, you are adding to your Amazon position, so why and why now? Uh, it's backing
1: off a little bit uh, this week, uh, along with most of the market, most of the large-cap tech names. But Amazon really has done nothing for a long time. I've been in the stock forever, by the way. So uh, it's, I'm adding to an existing position. Uh, I don't know how crazy important the timing is. But just the rationale here uh, is that Amazon is both going to be an important player going forward in AI Uh, even as that theme is cooling off a little bit, it's undeniable how critical they'll be, but it's a business that doesn't need the hype of AI in order for the stock to trade higher, just on the existing uh, situation that they're in. Gross profit has been compounding at a 20% kager since Q3 of 2020, even though the stock has done nothing or been down most of that time. In Q3 of 2020, AWS was about 10% of revenue. As of last quarter, it's 17. That's important because that helps the EBITDA margin grow. That's the most profitable business that they're in, obviously. Um, EBITDA margin as of last quarter is now higher than all pandemic era quarters, except for Q1 2021. It's about 14%. As of last quarter, this is critical. These are the types of stocks that are working right now in large cap tech. Uh, Amazon is a 14 forward enterprise value to EBITDA. It is cheaper than it's been for most of the last three years. It was about 22 times on average since the pandemic began. Uh, I think that we've seen troughs in in the valuation here, and I think if they can continue to execute, this stock should be higher. Uh, it's not a rocket ship. It's not, you know, I don't, I don't expect it to to double from these levels. But there's no reason why we couldn't get back to the old highs of about 180, 190, uh, just based on existing fundamentals without anything radically changing.
2: These are interesting points to bring up uh, for folks out there, only because we do know that Amazon is traditionally what people refer to as a a web e-commerce giant. These days, the narrative has switched a lot more towards cloud computing. That's the faster growing part of the business. But I wonder, and maybe Serrat, I'll look at you for this one first. If you take a look at Amazon right now, would you play it more as a consumer discretionary play or more as a technology play tied towards things like cloud computing and then connecting the dots eventually at some point to artificial intelligence?
3: I I think cloud computing would be the area. I think uh, on the retail side is pretty tough. Margins are gonna get harder, costs are, you know, the consumer's gonna start slowing down. So it'll be fine there, but if you're gonna play Amazon, That's the part where the cloud, the AI, where they can use their technology and actually leverage. Now, the question is competition in that space as well. But I think the margins and the upside are there, and the stock can reflect it if they can be cash flow positive in that area. What's interesting, we've also
2: got some headlines coming out here, and Kerry, I'll look to you for this one here. We're seeing that Amazon is just announcing that they're going to hire 250,000 employees for the holiday shopping season. Is that all? That's, that's, is that all? It's a quarter million people. <laughs> uh, they, I, if memory serves, it was roughly around 150,000, I think, last yeah. year. That's, not, that's no small amount either. Yeah. Yeah. This is the, about the time of year when many of these large retailers talk about the seasonal yeah. hiring trends. Is it a positive sign that they're going to hire a quarter million seasonal employees? And yeah. what does it say about the consumer?
4: I think it says they expect the consumer to be pretty strong. So I consider that, yes, positive. We own Amazon. I mean, Amazon stock is up over 60% this year. Of course, it had a dramatic drop last year. So it's recovered not all the way, as Josh pointed out. Uh, And we like it here. And I I agree with Surat that a lot on the cloud computing side um, is, you know, it's very important for Amazon. They have competition in all of their businesses. And I think in this season, we do think about the consumer and spending and consumer spending has been reasonably good. The retail numbers have not fallen off a cliff. I mean, there uh, there is obviously some weakness in spending, but the consumer is pretty good. And think about where unemployment is. It's still under 4 percent. 3.8 percent is basically full employment. So they must feel positive, And I consider that to be a good sign for the
2: stock. In, in another um, related headline, Jim, uh, uh, for this Amazon up release. They also talk about this idea that they are investing $1.3 billion towards pay raises for employees at Amazon. Uh, You juxtapose this with what's going on in Detroit and other auto manufacturing facilities around the country. You juxtapose that with many of the moves that we've seen by uh, retailers and restaurant-type companies to boost the minimum level of wages to a level that's above current mandated minimums. All of this is is big, but it also adds to the idea that the consumer is strong and maybe getting stronger.
5: Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, I'm going to take the bait, which is to say, yes, there are some inflationary aspects to what you're hinting at. And certainly that's writ large in the UAW uh, auto manufacturers negotiations going on right now. But the bigger thing, here's where I spit out that hook about the inflationary thing. The bigger aspect here is Amazon's not hiring 250,000 people. And Dom, I'm pretty sure that Target also announced they're hiring 100,000 people. You don't do that if you don't think the consumer is pretty strong. Now, fourth quarter is where retailers make the bulk of their money and last year we had a pretty kind of not so good fourth quarter because of what was going on inflation people were worried about the economy worried about recession we're in a different situation right now carrie referenced the fact that the labor markets are strong inflation's coming down which has got another update on atlanta fed gdp which maybe doesn't matter so much about stock prices but it does matter to where employment's going and it's at 4.9 percent things are good Things are good right now. Okay, now, September and and Josh, you made a great point. I just want to come back to this. I forget exactly how you phrased it on your Amazon purchase, which I commend you on. You said something like, I'm not sure I'm crazy about the timing. Okay, nobody knows if if this is the right timing or not. But, you know, whether it's the wrong timing or the right timing, we're talking about a matter of weeks because when we get through September and all the usual September worries, the consumers cracking, inflation, this, that and the other thing, everything we're talking about right now in terms of fourth quarter consumption, looks pretty darn good, and you're likely to have a face-ripping rally. Amazon and everything else is going to do well. So if you're wrong on the timing, Josh, maybe it's by a couple of weeks, but who cares? Okay, so, so
1: we want Thanks, to... Thanks, Jimmy. Have a- I would just... One, one quick thing. It's important to point out, if the reason not to buy Amazon um, is that it's competitive, like, <laughs> that was the same reason 40,000 percentage points ago in share price, that, that that's a constant. When you do business with consumers, there will always be big, very well-run competitors. So in the case of Amazon, it's Target, it's Walmart, it's uh, all the little stores on Shopify, maybe it's Costco, whatever. Like that's, everyone understands this competition. Um, the stock hit a 52-week high last week. They had competition last week too. Um, right. There's a Prime Day event, it's the Big Deals Day. So timing-wise, that's October 10th and 11th. And to Jim's point on the consumer, we're in a 3.5% headline unemployment environment. You could talk all you want about higher mortgages and gas prices, right. but the reality is everyone's working.
2: All right, Josh, We, we have because the news just keeps on coming right, right now, we now have to go to Emily I'm done, I'm Wilkins done. with a news alert coming out of our nation's capital. Emily.
0: Hi, Dom. Well, the news today, we knew that Republicans were hoping to get that vote on that temporary stopgap spending measure this week, but that is looking a lot less likely. A procedural vote that was supposed to go forward this afternoon and move things along has now been canceled. We know that there are a number of Republicans who are not happy with the agreement that was forged over the weekend. Republicans met this morning to try and talk things out, but clearly at this point, there aren't enough votes to really go forward. And just a reminder, even if if they do find some agreement on this bill it is very likely dead on arrival as soon as it gets to the senate so over here where we're waiting for to see if the government is going to continue to be open if congress can find a path forward it's just not looking very good as the first step that was supposed today has now been scuttled
2: okay emily wilkins live in dc with the latest there and committee the what I read into her report is that the incremental odds of a government shutdown are now are now high, higher higher yeah. for the most part. So Carrie, is this something that investors should be worrying about? I've heard a number of government shutdown scenarios yeah. over the course of the last 10 years of course and and the markets do react but the question is how concerned should you be
4: well if we think about what happened a few months ago uh, as we got closer to that first deadline everybody was extremely worried and the market got a little jittery it didn't until the the final week and then you know there was a sell-off in august and then they came up with a resolution that has kept things going until now um, I suspect the same type of situation will evolve, will get closer. The news will be, oh my God, it's not happening. M- you know, McCarthy told them they can't go home. That was the worst punishment. You give them, you know, for the weekend. I can think of worse. But um, anyway, they probably will be forced into coming up with something, but it will get very nervous producing between now and then. Jim,
2: how much of the move in Treasury yields to the upside is because of the threat of a government shutdown we know that there are a lot of variables there's a lot of stuff going on with regard to inflation there's stuff about what's happening macroeconomically there are risks out there there's issuance coming down the pike what exactly is the government shutdown yeah, role in, in it's in this a great process? it's a
5: great question and obviously dom the wall street journal doesn't run an equation on the front line you know front page saying what the various factors are i don't think it's the biggest factor I think the reason that the 10-year has risen so much over the past couple of months is just basically that economic growth is stronger than people expected. And this yield curve inversion has been presumed up until recently that it would resolve uh, by the short end coming down. Now people are recognizing with economic growth that we've got, the way we've got that 4.9%, everything we were just talking about, Mm -hmm. it's at least going to have a moment uh, of of reversion by the 10-year going higher. I really think the stronger effect here is economic growth. Sirat, from a portfolio, Uh, manager's Shut perspective, yeah.
2: right? If you look at the way valuations traditionally work and you look at what you think equity hurdle rates are, that those numbers that you have to meet to make an investment worthwhile, rising interest rates are supposed to make those hurdles higher, therefore making stocks less attractive. We haven't really seen that during this entire duration of rates yeah. rising since the cycle lows. What gives?
3: Well, because the market doesn't really believe that rates are going to go up on the high end. So the market's basically saying the growth stocks are going to do well because longer rates are going to go down. But to Jim's point, if this is happening because growth is higher and inflationary pressure is higher, you will see the curve flattening. What that could happen is you could get movement away from growth stocks into, quote, value stocks because cash flow is up front. And credit markets will start reflecting that. And what that means is people will say, hey, if I can get 7, 8, 9% in credit, do I need to take the risk to get the equity return so you might see some cash moving out of equities? So I think that's an interesting thing to watch. But on the other hand, the, for me, that's a positive signal. That means growth is there. That means stocks are going to do better. So maybe if you want to get defensive and buy bonds, but I think you'll have a better outlook owning equities three to five years out if we get the curve flattening or starting to turn. Change.
2: All right, well, speaking of
3: that rate picture right now, the Fed is kicking off
2: a two-day policy meeting today with its latest decision on interest rates coming tomorrow afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern time. And according to the latest CNBC Fed survey, many believe the Fed is pretty much done hiking interest rates. But the impact on the market will continue to be felt. So let's bring in our senior economics reporter, Steve Leesman, for more on that story. Steve, this is pretty much part and parcel to every market narrative there is out there. What is the Fed going to do, and how long are they gonna do it?
6: Well, let me give you the results from the Fed survey, Don. While there remains debate, respondents to the survey generally think the Fed has pretty much done hiking rates here. And is about to embark on an extended period of holding rates above 5%. Here's the numbers 93% say no rate change this week, 63.37 for the hold uh, and then for, for a hike and holding a hike in November. That's about where the market is now. But then they hold on for 9.7 months, call it 10 months, they'll be on hold. And then the first cut, the plurality for a cut says, June is the first possible month for a cut, June of 2024. But 67% of respondents believe lagged effects of tighter monetary policy are still to hit the economy. It's gonna come in the form of lower GDP and higher unemployment. It's also creating pressure on stocks here. You can see this group, the 30 respondents, pretty negative. They see a 2% decline from current levels as of yesterday's close. And they also see just modest gains in 2024. A little bit better when the fog lifts, perhaps, in 2025. There's a 48% probability of a recession, 40% chance of a soft landing. That uncertainty is what makes forecasters, I think, cautious on stocks right here. Plus, the other stuff you were talking about, like government shutdowns and higher oil prices, down.
2: Oh, okay, Steve, please stick around. Uh, we want to bandy this about right now. Uh, Josh, if you take a look at those Fed numbers, the survey results from CNBC in that survey, we do think as though we're done for this process. Is that a green light for the rest of the stock market, specifically the Amazon type trades that you just made and perhaps other growth oriented stocks as well?
1: Uh, I don't want to be—I don't want to be in a clip at some point. Somebody playing me saying the words "green light." Uh, I am very media savvy, Dom. I've been around for a long time, <laughs> so I'm not gonna—I'm
7: not, gonna gonna gonna
1: go li- not gonna go along with that. No, but you know what I want to say. Uh, and I don't know if we're doing this later in the show. You can shut me up if we are. The, if if it's not a green light, and and if we do still have more hurdles and even possibly more rate hikes. That's going to come because of what's going on with oil and gasoline prices, my, my opinion. Um, you do have the stickiness in, in wages. Uh, you may not have the same weight of inflation, but those wages aren't going back down. You have the same phenomenon in shelter, particularly in rentals. That's not going back down. That stickiness is with us. But now... You got WTI, I think it hit 93 today, natural gas up 4% today, Uh, 10 month highs for crude oil, Um, gasoline prices nationally on the rise. Um, If you look at the history of recessions, almost all of them have been preceded, immediately preceded by an oil price shock, a spike. We don't have a spike yet. We have a fairly gradual move. At 120, I won't say gradual, okay? But for right now, I think we're okay. That is the thing that would prevent most rational people who understand the economy and the markets from saying, yeah, 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 the Fed's done green light. It ain't that simple, I wish it were.
2: So, so Steve, there are a lot of dots that we're gonna to try to connect here. We talked about the consumer versus cloud computing earlier on with Amazon. We talked about the seasonal hiring. They're investing more in wages. And now you've got these headlines coming out with regard to the number of people they're gonna hire, all amidst an environment where consumer wallets are being crimped even more by those rising fuel prices that josh just mentioned and by the way rising gasoline prices which i know are there because i fill up at least once to twice a week commuting to and from work so what gives and what is the fed paying attention to
6: well i think all of that and i think josh is right it's a major risk for the economy and i'd add to that the student loan repayments which are by themselves not a big deal but you add on top of that higher gas prices and there are issues out there there are uncertainties i'll tell you one reason why It's not a green light to me. And I don't obviously give stock recommendations the way uh, uh, the great people around your table do there, uh, Dom. But I will add this. The Fed is not getting looser, even if it cuts rates. The plan at the moment is not to get looser. Well, watch the summary. But as far as the real rate is concerned, they're bringing down the funds rate along with inflation. So the real rate, the amount of restriction put on the economy is not really planned to come down, at least not according to their last projection. So that's what you want to watch, Does the Fed want to be easier in rates relative to inflation, not just on the nominal side. So when, when that happens, there's more of a green light. And when you say green light, I don't know what exactly you mean, Dom. Do you mean green light to go into the party and drink as much punch as you possibly can, or green light to feel a little bit more safe about going forward through the intersection? I don't think we're going back to those days of just buy any stock willy-nilly and it's going to be fine.
2: That's a good point, Carrie, and that's what you would say as a portfolio manager, I'm assuming.
4: Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen over the next six months, 12 months, ever. But in this period, and I'm I'm sure Steve would agree, the post-COVID era that we're in is still so unpredictable in the way people spend money, whether they're consumers or corporations, and how they borrow money, how about, how they think about, you know, spending and their time and how they work. I mean, everything is in the process of change. The fact that, that economists and strategists couldn't predict about whether there would be a recession or not. They all thought there'd be a recession this year. They didn't have a playbook, you know, they're often wrong anyway, but they didn't have a playbook for what happens post-pandemic, and they still don't. So, you know, what what I feel is most important is to have a portfolio that encompasses companies that are going to have earnings growth that's greater than expected you know, we can start seeing some earnings accelerations in the second half of, yeah, I mean, this this next quarter and into 2024. And I think this is the first time in quite a long time where estimates are moving higher, where we're seeing some increase yeah in in forecasts
2: and i consider that positive those fundamentals they are, are are they are they in fact improving in your mind as you do your research and scrub through the numbers
3: so i do think we get a trough in earnings but the key is because multiples already expanded ahead of that so the question is now when we go into earnings season if you don't make your earnings it's going to be even worse than we saw in the last four quarters, because right now your multiples on a lot of stocks are reflecting an earnings growth that we didn't have for the last two or three quarters.
2: All right. Uh,
3: Steve Leesman,
2: thank you very much for the CNBC Fed survey results. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. Uh, and by the way, coming up on the show, we're still waiting on, by the way, the first trades of the Instacart IPO. The big debut is happening uptown. At the NASDAQ market site today, we will take you there live with the latest right now coming after this break. You can still see there nothing happening with Instacart just yet. We're still waiting on it. We'll be back after this.
1: Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn
0: more.
2: It's another big day for the IPO market as we await the first trades on the Instacart trade, if you will, the IPO. Or Leslie Pickers live at the NASDAQ market site following the action for us. Leslie, what can you tell us the last we heard, the indication, which is by no means accurate going into this, but the indication was north of $40 per share?
0: Yeah, let me give you an up-to-date indication right now for my friend Mike, because it's really changing by the minute here 42 and a quarter on 2.07 million shares. That means that 2.07 million shares are matched at that 42 and a quarter price, which is important because this company is floating about 22 million shares, some sold by the company, some sold by the selling shareholder. So you want to see about 10% of that float matched before opening for trading. So told we can expect that to take place in the next 10 to 15 minutes or so. So don't go anywhere. Don't go get your lunch. Stay here because in the next 10 or 15 or so, we should see uh, some action. Now with that $42 price, that implies a, a pop, a first day pop of over 40 percent and a 14 billion dollar valuation and you know as we've been talking about dom this deal is about 16 months in the making so that would Marked for a pretty successful uh, debut by most standards in pricing at the high end of a boosted range and then trading up on day one. Of course, this is a so called down round, meaning that it priced its IPO at a valuation about a quarter of where it raised uh, privately a couple years ago. But nonetheless, uh, this is a company that was able to generate some liquidity from their selling shareholders as well as for some employees here. So, again, currently indicated around 42 and a quarter. Um, and should expect this to open in the next 10 or 15 minutes or so.
2: All right, if those expectations are correct, Leslie we will see you in about 10 or 15 minutes. Thank you very (laughs) much, Leslie Picker, over at the NASDAQ watching the Instacart IPO. This is an IPO that along with Arm Holdings team has probably been the most talked about IPO in ages, in what's been a very tough deal-making environment, IPO environment, Uh, Jim, I'll go to this one with you. Is the sentiment in the IPO market as robust as Instacart's IPO looks to be? Or is it more indicative of where Arm's IPO went to and then has settled back to now?
5: Well, it implied in your question is maybe we should be a little bit worried about Arm. I don't think I'm going to do that. I mean, yeah, there's a price issue, you know, the valuation issue. I don't really want to get into that. I think here's the bigger point. These IPOs are coming in September and in a September that's kind of living up to its billing, right? I mean, we're off about 4% from July's high in the S&P 500, about 6 6.5% in the NASDAQ. And these big IPOs are coming. And that says something about risk appetite. I really don't have an opinion on whether Instacart Is a good buy at 42 or arm is a good buy at 55. But I do think this is a sign of health. I'm not going to overplay it, Tom. This isn't like, oh, my God, the floodgates are open. Here comes the IPO
2: marching band. It isn't. It's just a good sign. Leave it at that. It's a good sign. And Josh, I'm going to give you one one look at this before before we go to break. Is this IPO market something that investors should be feeling a little bit more cautious about or one where we feel as though the Instacart IPO and its oversubscription levels is good for the broader market sentiment?
1: No, I think it's, I think it's good, and I agree with Jim. The, these are not the deals of 2021. Instacart is profitable. Arm is, is very profitable. Um, even this Klaviyo, like the, these are not SPACs, these are not companies that are, you know, we're, we're gonna land on Mars. That's not what's going on. We'll, we'll get there, we always get there uh that might be a 24 story um important to point out instacart is not a grocery tech business it's an advertising business all the stuff they're doing sending people into grocery stores with an app and delivering and blah blah none of that makes any money the money is where pepsi steps in and spends a few hundred million dollars to make sure that their products are on the home page of the app Sure. So that when people are shopping, that's, it's an ad business. It's, not, it's, it, you know, it's very convoluted how they get there. It's right. a four-sided market between supermarkets and shoppers and consumers. But that's, it's, it's nothing special. Arm is making chips for cell phones. No big deal. So we're not doing concept stocks. We're not doing companies with tons of red ink. This is a normal environment. And
2: I think from that standpoint, it's nice to have some deals back. All right. That's the discussion. We'll get back to it once it starts opening up for trading. Instacart, that is. But in the meantime, let's get out to Bertha Coombs with the latest news update headlines. Hi, Bertha.
8: Hey, how are you, Dom? President Biden rallied support for Ukraine during his speech at the United Nations General Assembly Summit. The commander in chief called on the West to stand with Ukraine, saying Russia alone bears the responsibility for this war. The address was the focal point of the president's New York visit. President Biden is also scheduled to meet with heads of five senators. Central asian nations and leaders from brazil and israel the house oversight committee is holding its first hearing on the impeachment inquiry into president biden next week a spokesperson said the hearing will examine corruption and abuse of public office the committee is planning to subpoena the president's son and brother for their personal and business bank records as early as this week Eligible voters in Pennsylvania will now be automatically registered to vote when they get a new driver's license or ID card. Governor Josh Shapiro announcing the move today, saying it's good for democracy. The National Conference of State Legislatures tallied Pennsylvania as the 24th state to implement automatic registration. I kind of like that idea, Dom. It just seems like it should be automatic and easy
2: easy is often a good thing Bertha coombs thank you very much for the news update headlines we appreciate it well coming up next on the show our chart of the day disney is the biggest dow laggard right now as the company makes a big bet on its parks business how the committee is trading that stock and we are just over one week away from cnbc's big delivering alpha investor summit scott walker will be there with a few big interviews including pershing square's bill ackman To register, just scan the QR code that you see there on your screen or go to cnbcevents.com slash deliveringalpha. Big event in person, New York City. Halftime is back after this.
7: B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers,
2: We're back on the halftime report. What you just saw was a market at session lows, fresh ones right now. Shares of Disney, by the way, are not helping matters. They are lower today. The company announcing it will double its park investment to $60 billion over the next decade. It is our chart of the day. and Julia Borson joins us with the details on what it means for the overall house of mouse, Julia.
9: Well, Dom, this 60 billion dollar 10 year plan is Disney literally doubling down on its parks business. The company outlining significant room for further expansion both on land and sea, saying it has over 1000 acres of land for possible future development. That's the equivalent of seven new Disneyland's. And they say while Disney parks welcome 100 million guests annually, they say they see an additional addressable market of more than 700 million more people with what they call high Disney affinity. And while the stock is down now, down about 3.5% on news of the higher spending, that's $60 billion, in the 8K, the company says, quote, they are prioritizing projects anticipated to generate strong returns consistent with the company's continuing approach to allocate capital in a disciplined and balanced Manor. Dom, I anticipate we'll hear a bit more about what CEO Bob Iger and Park's chief uh, uh, said during this uh, presentation to investors. But for now, investors are not that excited about this news.
2: All right. Thank you very much, Julia Borson, with the latest on that Disney trade. So let's talk about Disney. Jim and Surratt, you both own it. Jim, we'll start with you. Is this a good news or bad news in your mind as a longer-term investor in this stock? Uh,
5: All right. I'm going to take a deep breath here and just try (laughs) to keep it calm, all right? Um, Look, I get leaning into your most profitable division, and it's roughly two-thirds of the operating income for Disney. I get it. That's the right thing to do. Here's what my issue is. Why make this announcement now? The timing on this is (laughs) – I, I'm sorry. I hate to be pejorative. The timing on this is stupid. You're working with Comcast to figure out the Hulu deal. You've got issues with the SPN. Investors are clamoring for a dividend. Like, you couldn't have waited six weeks for this? It's the <laughs> wrong timing. You're talking about a 10-year plan. It's I'm misdirection. Like, down. All right, I'll listen to you, Josh. Give it to me. Give it to me.
1: It's, it's misdirection. When you see the price they're going to get for ABC... You're going to understand why they want to talk about theme parks.
2: Okay. Listen, from your lips, I'll I'll take it. All right, Surat. So let's talk about whether or not this and what Josh just said and what. Jim just said (laughs) as a Disney holder is going to make any difference to you in terms of a buy sell recommendation.
3: I I mean it's not I mean I I totally understand where Jim's coming from let's focus on the things on the table right now and you're doing this and that's great you're focusing on businesses that are cash flow positive and you're going to be accretive to your earnings but we've got these other issues with streaming right now and you're losing money in these other divisions so you know hopefully we'll get something together to kind of say this is our strategic plan but i think the stock is also stuck in, in no man's land right growth investors have left it value investors are still true are still trying to figure out wait what's the sum of the parts so you're kind of like in no man's land and that's look is it a good feeling absolutely not but does it get cheaper probably and probably get for us to buy even more of it all right Jim. look
5: look here, here's why i'm on the six weeks kick the immediate thing is Hulu. Yeah. All right, and you're in negotiations right now, Josh. When you said misdirection, I thought you were going to tie this into Hulu because that's what's on the table right now. And we're arguing about whether the buyout they, price. Yeah. Hang on, hang on, hang on, Josh. We're arguing between Comcast and Disney about whether the buyout price is nine billion or eleven billion. Who cares? Get it done. Okay. That two billion in terms of the value of Hulu three, five years from now, it's going to be immaterial. Get that done. Don't give me this today. This is. Now, if it's a misdirection, it's a misdirection, but it seems totally unnecessary.
2: Josh, quick last word. I agree. Okay, I like it. That's about as quick as it gets for Josh. All right, thank you very much, guys, on Disney. Coming up next, how about another Dow component for you? That's Intel, making a deeper push into artificial intelligence at its developers conference today. That stock has been on a tear over the last month, maybe not as much over the past years. We'll debate the move coming up next on the half. Welcome back to the Halftime Report. The Dow is now down 297 points. That is session low again. We are watching shares of Intel on the move today after the company announced a new new product, named or aimed rather at artificial intelligence and Christina Parzinevelis joins us at post nine with the details on that. So from one Dow component in Disney to another Dow component, what's the story with Intel?
10: Well the biggest news that they're making right now is their Intel Core Ultra, which is this new processing or processor used for PCs. So it's going to bring AI to PCs. Uh, originally it was called Meteor Lake. You don't need to know all of the, the names but this is big news because they claim it is going to be the most power efficient chip that will allow allow, let's say, you, Dom, to access a generative AI chatbot on your PC as opposed to having to tap into the cloud. uh, And then that takes more time and requires more energy. So they're saying this is more energy efficient. PCs with the new chip will be available as of December 14th. So that's the biggest news. There's some partnerships too. Really, he came out on stage and, and literally did some push-ups. He coined a new word, uh, the sil-economy, which means that our entire modern economy will be based on silicone because of the importance of semiconductors in the near future as everything continues to be connected. Also said he was a Swifty fan, but I really think the the stock reaction that you're seeing right now, down about two percent. We were expecting, or we're hoping, investors. Uh, we're hoping to hear. A a little bit more about its foundry business and who the main customer would be for uh, the foundry business because they just said they signed on. He hasn't talked about that just yet, but that was part of the reason why the stock has been climbing higher just over the last little while. Foundry business, you know, here in the United States, good for business, especially as tensions continue to ramp up with China.
2: It's not just about China though, right, with Intel. This This is also about a company that has never seen the glory days of the dot com era, like many other companies have, Intel and Cisco, two Dow components have really been the laggards in that big tech trade. Competition's part of the story, Carrie. But why is it that people Still, don't really want to own Intel, and what could actually change their minds?
4: Well, some people want to own Intel, particularly value investors who are looking for some technology. You know, it's it's the largest component of the S and P. It's a stock that trades at a, a low multiple. Uh, the problem with Intel is it, it's been left behind. You know, it it peaked in terms of excitement, enthusiasm, charisma in 1999. And you know that's a long time ago. But there are new investors who really don't remember that, and they say there's something here. What I think is uh, is somewhat concerning when everybody is talking about the cloud and talking about digital transformation, and they're talking about PCs and embedding in devices. I, I think that leads leaves a uh, you know a, a confusing um, message to there's, investors.
2: So Sarat, so, there are some things when we talk about the retail access to artificial intelligence, maybe was the best way to put it, at least for the time being, that this is a total addressable market, a TAM, that could be ginormous, that's a technical term, if you could put the AI chatbot type technology in the palm of everyone's hand or on their desktop themselves. So why is it not appropriate to get so excited about something like that when it comes to Intel?
3: Because your PC is one of the biggest deflationary purchases you make. We don't spend more and more on PCs every year. You spend more and more on your iPhones and other things. So for them to get pricing power to say you've got a special Intel inside chip that worked a couple of decades ago, yeah. it's going to be very hard if they have got a great marketing machine and they can do it and say this chip, you know, this PC has the AI chip, but Samsung does not or something else. So investors are saying, show me, All right, show so. me the story, Christina the, last word.
10: The counter argument to that would be it's so difficult to get a hold of the GPUs with an eight-month time. Frame even longer, that maybe this will provide accessibility for smaller companies, for developers, because they can actually use their PCs to do so. Qualcomm will make the exact same argument for phones when they're you know, working on their AI processors on phones, but maybe this uh, equals a playing field for a lot of firms. But to your point, yeah, the, la- the, um, the refresh rate is much longer.
2: All right. And speaking of Intel, by the way, folks, don't miss an exclusive interview on CNBC with Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger later on today at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Closing Bell Overtime. Intel, big story today, CNBC exclusive, 4 p.m. Coming up next on our show, it's our Call of the Day. This healthcare stock just got a very big upgrade. We'll have ownership details because we do have some ownership on the desk. That Call of the Day mystery chart coming up ahead. We'll debate it, keep it right here. All right, we're back on the show. Let's get our call of the day here. It's CVS Health upgraded to an outperform over at Evercore ISI. The firm notes attractive valuation. Jim and Surat, you both own this. Surat, we will start with you on this one.
3: Look, this stock did very well during COVID because people went to the front of the store, it was open, they got their vaccines it's trading at a below it's a single digit multiple with almost a 4% dividend yield it's a restructuring play they got hurt with medicare i think you can turn this around you look at like united health where the multiple is double And you get some execution going here, and I think you're going to do well with earnings expansion. Talk to me, Jim.
5: There is a point coming up in the next month where CVS will do either extremely well as a stock or extremely badly. And there's no middle ground here. Uh, This is the Medicare Advantage Stars rating, which is what knocked them off their perch a year ago. They were around 100, knocked them down to 70. Uh, They're going to get a new rating in October, good or bad. That's where the stock's going to go.
2: Breaking news, guys, because, yes, it has happened. Instacart's IPO has now opened for trading. Let's get right up to Leslie Picker at the NASDAQ market side. Talk to us. How big of a pop was it?
0: <laughs> it's about a 40% pop at the open, opening at $42. You missed the cheers behind me, but they they happened here at the NASDAQ IPO execution center. Uh, you can see there, there are 2.6 million shares uh, that were paired to indicate that 42% pop at the open. Now about 38% higher than pricing uh, at the IPO price of per share Uh, at $42 though that implies a $14 billion valuation looking at the total number of outstanding shares on a fully diluted basis. Of course, this is your quintessential down round, but It was one that was executed as such that they were able to raise the range that they were marketing, priced at the high end of the range, and then orchestrated a 40% pop from here. So this is now a public company, 16 months in the making from the time they filed their S1 confidentially. Obviously, the markets took a turn with higher interest rates. Tech stocks sold off. Um, As the CEO told Deirdre Bosa earlier, this isn't something they were looking for the perfect market timing, but they did want an event that could give some Employees liquidity that could give some of the co-founders liquidity. The co-founders did sell into this IPO and the company was also able to raise some primary as well, which means that that's cash that they can reinvest in their business. Also in conjunction with this IPO, you have $175 million private placement from Pepsi, uh, generating additional proceeds for Instacart as well as $400 worth of cornerstone investors that bought in uh, as part of the overall offering size at the IPO price that have indicated at least interest in buying up to that amount of uh, the book here. So Instacart opening for trading on their debut up 39% right now. So we'll see how this one does uh, throughout the remainder of the trading day, Dom.
2: Uh, Leslie, $30 IPO pricing there, and, and you can just see the chart right now, $11, $12 up. This is a big move higher. We got some thoughts from both Kerry And Josh, with regard to IPO sentiment and what this kind of says, I wonder, Jim, from your standpoint, have you kind of altered some of your feeling based upon what we've seen happen, at least in the first, call it two to three minutes of trading?
5: Well, here's the takeaway. They priced it right. I mean, that's that's simple. The investment bankers did their job. That's exactly what you're supposed to see. If it was too much bigger than that, then they left money on the table. You know, if if they didn't have this pop, then they disappointed the people who are buying on the IPO. The investment
2: bankers did their job right. Good, good. Applause. All right, Surat, is this an IPO that you mentioned, profitable, cash flow positive? Is, yeah. this, is this something that you would want to buy in a post-IPO transaction?
3: No, but I think what it tells you is that companies that are going to trade well have positive cash flow and inflection points in terms of where they're going to make their earnings go. So this is a good thing for the markets. It's a good thing for the capital markets. And it's also, for M&A, it's going to tell you that if you're going to make an acquisition, it better be accretive. Because if, if you have anything dilutive, i.e. IPOs are not going to be just based on price, meaning revenue growth. It's going to be on earnings and cash flow growth. So good indication that the market is accepting it at a period of time when people are wondering where we are in the economy.
2: All right. Instacart, 42 bucks a share right now, priced at 30. Stay with us. We've got final trades coming up on the Halftime Report after this. We're back on the halftime report. Instacart just opened up for trading currently about 40 bucks a share. It priced at $30. It opened at $42. It got as high as $42.95. So at the highs, that was a 43% jump. So again, we're watching those shares right now trading 40 bucks and change. Time now for final trades. Josh Brown, you're up first.
1: If you were lucky enough to get in on the IPO and you're not in as a down round, I would take the profit. Um, most of the people that have an opinion on this stock have not read the S1. I have. They're going to let employees sell as much as 35% of their stock as soon as November because this has been pent up on the runway for so long. I think there's a lot of selling. If you love the company, maybe stick with it. If you don't, this is a really nice opening day gain. Me, personally, I would take it. All right, Sarat.
3: Well, in cigar- Uber, cash flow positive. Company went public when it wasn't supposed to, but now it did. So this is where you want to get, like, the second degree. Jim Labenthal.
5: Cisco Systems. You compared Intel to Cisco. I, I grimaced. You're supposed to compare Intel to IBM. Cisco's a warhorse.
2: Hang and on to Cisco. Carrie.
4: EPAM Consulting Firm. It's a very inexpensive
2: Accenture. All right. That does the on Halftime Report. The exchange starts right now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can
1: always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern only on CNBC.
0: completeness or accuracy and it should not be relied upon as such to view the full halftime report disclaimer please visit cnbc.com forward slash halftime report disclaimer it's okay if you aren't ready for kids right now it's okay if you don't want to be a mom now or even ever it's nobody's decision but yours but do you know what's not okay not knowing how effective your birth control is talk to your doctor about effective birth control options so you can make an informed decision tap to learn more